The book of Zechariah, chapter 14, and I'm going to read verses 8, 9, and 10 tonight. And then we're going to spend most of our time on verse 8. Now in the last two lessons, we've the, the previous, previous one, we looked at earthquakes. I believe more firmly than I've ever believed that all of the verses in chapter 14 in particular and in the book of Zechariah generally are quite related to each other. And we're not going to insert a great deal of time between verses when the next verse uses almost identical words to share with us in that day. Now here we have read verses 1 through, down through verses 1 through 7, and there are some things that there, like many places in the Bible, are somewhat hard to understand. I, I don't have my head around it all yet, but there's many other places I don't have my head around. You know, I heard of a, a man many years ago that said something about, uh, it's not the passages of Scripture that I don't understand that bothers me, it's the passages of Scripture that I do understand that bothers me. And that may be where we are, but as we look at it and we understand passages of Scripture, we're thankful for the revelation that the Lord has given us, at least in part, about the verses of Scripture. And anything that we have with regard to God's Word, any passage that He's given us any understanding, we have to put there again, He has given us the understanding. We don't come by it on our own. We're not going to sift it out on our own. Well, here, in the book of Zechariah, Chapter 14, and I'm going to begin reading with verse 8. And it shall, shall be in that day. Now we've met, mentioned this, we've seen this in the previous verses of Scripture, and also in previous verses in this book of Zechariah. In that day, that living waters shall go out from Jerusalem half of them toward the former sea, and half of them toward the hinder sea. Now one translation put one half went towards the Dead Sea and one half went towards the Mediterranean Sea. Well, it doesn't matter what direction they're going. They are going, and it tells us here, in summer and in winter shall it be. Now, that lets me understand a little bit about this river of living water. It's not going to cease because it's been dried up in the summer, and it's not going to cease because it's been frozen in the winter. It's going to be a continuous flow of this living water. Now let's read verse 9. And the Lord shall be king over all the earth. In that day there shall be one Lord, and his name one. All the land shall be turned as a plain from Gibeah to, to Rimon south of Jerusalem, and it shall be lifted up and inhabited in her place from Benjamin's gate unto the place of the first gate at the corner gate and from the tower of Hananiel unto the king's wine presses. Now, there are some places in that verse of scripture we're going to seek for some understanding about. But let's go back here and pay particular attention tonight to this verse 8. It has to do with living waters. Now, I like that because living water is much different than water that has just been sitting. 
stagnant water. It is interesting that the Apostle Peter, when he was asked who the Lord Jesus was, he said, Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. Now, there are many dead gods, but the Apostle Peter understood by revelation that there is this living God, and Jesus said, Flesh and blood did not reveal this unto you, but my Father which is in heaven. Now, tonight we'd like to look at the subject of this living water. The Bible has much to say about water, and living water in particular. Now, uh, would you go back, or go ahead, two, three books, to the book of Matthew. The book of Matthew, chapter 5. The book of Matthew, chapter 5, and I want to look here at verse 6. The book of Matthew, chapter 5, and verse 6. Now, I have had a lot of preachers tell me that they've met a lot of thirsty people. And you no doubt preachers meet that kind of folk all the time, and you probably do too. But the Lord Jesus qualified this greatly when he said, Blessed are they which do hunger and thirst. And he doesn't stop there. What are they hungering and thirsting after? Righteousness. Now, we don't have that hunger, and we don't have that thirst by nature. We're not looking for someone else's righteousness. We are quite satisfied with our own righteousness. So this is a blessed thing that the Lord would give us a hunger and a thirst after righteousness. And then he goes on to say, if this should happen, or I should say when this happens, they shall be filled. So this is not a a chance. This is not a shot in the dark. When God gives someone this kind of hunger and this kind of thirst after righteousness, they shall be given it. God is going to supply that. So as we look at this subject of living water in the scriptures, we want to keep that in mind, that God blesses his people with a hunger and thirst after righteousness. Why is it incumbent upon us to be in the gospel continuously? Because that's the only thing that will take care of our hunger for righteousness is to see the righteousness of Christ and to see it portrayed and declared. And that righteousness is our righteousness. It's not some that we will never attain to. It's the righteousness that is given to us. That's what we're clothed with is his righteousness. That's what's imputed to us is his righteousness. So we're given a hunger and a thirst after his righteousness. And so if we have someone say, is that all you're going to preach? And we can say, yes, honestly, that's all we're going to preach, is a hunger and a thirst for his righteousness. All right. If you will look with me in the book of the Song of Solomon, the Song of Solomon, Song of Solomon chapter 4, going back into the Old Testament, we're going to look at some passages of Scripture that share with us about water and living water. This is what's so valuable in the scriptures. Now, there are times that we're going to read about, they do not go after me, the living water. That's not, they're not going after that. But they're going after their own water. They're putting it in their own cisterns, and it will hold nothing. Well, here in the Song of Solomon, chapter 4, Song of Solomon, chapter 4, and verse 15, the scriptures say this, a fountain of gardens, a well of living waters, the streams from Lebanon. Now that's what is here in the garden of the Lord, is 
a well of living waters, a spring of living waters. And we're going to find that this theme is carried throughout the Old Testament and the New Testament. Jesus is going to stand up one day, just prior to his crucifixion, and make a declaration, if there's anybody that thirsts, I will give you bellies full of living water. And we'll read that passage of scripture in just a moment. Well, here in Jeremiah, moving ahead a little bit to the book of Jeremiah, Jeremiah chapter 2, verse 13. Jeremiah chapter 2 and verse 13, we have Jeremiah led by the Holy Spirit to say this about natural man and water. Jeremiah chapter 2 and verse 13. Jeremiah is an instrument in God's hand. He is a mouthpiece for God. He has been moved upon to speak for the Lord. And here he has this recorded. For my people, God saying through Jeremiah's pen, God speaking through Jeremiah's mouth, for my people have committed two evils. They have forsaken me, the fountain of living waters. Now this living water does not cease, as we found there in the book of of Zechariah, chapter 8 and verse 8, or chapter 14, verse 8. This is going to flow. It's flowing out. It's going to flow out. It's flowing to east and west or north and south, and it's, it's not dead water. It's living water, and it's not hindered by summer. It's not hindered by winter. It's going to continuously flow, and here we have the identification of who that living water is. For my people have committed two evils. They have forsaken me, the fountain of living waters, and hewn them out cisterns, broken cisterns that can hold no water. So at their their rate, they're trying to supply their own water, but they don't have anything that will contain it. It just continues to flow out. And that's just the way natural man is. We're looking for satisfaction, and yet there is never any true satisfaction. We're always constantly moving. That's why it's just, well, you can just about mark it down on the calendar how many times people are going to move from this church to that church to that church to that church, trying to find the satisfaction, and it's not there. Christ is the only one that's satisfied, and he's the only one that blesses with hungering and thirsting after righteousness. They shall be filled. So they don't wander anymore. They have become planetary, stationary. And then the same subject is brought up in Jeremiah chapter 17. So if you travel over there with me to Jeremiah chapter 17, and there in verse 13, Jeremiah chapter 17 and verse 13, O Lord, the hope of Israel. Isn't that true about the church? The hope of Israel. The hope of the church. He's all our hope. He's all our salvation. David summed it up in his last words. I like repeating last words. I hope they're my last words. <laughs> Here he says, O Lord, the hope of Israel, all that forsake thee shall be ashamed. And they that depart from me shall be written in the earth because they have forsaken the Lord the fountain of living waters. You know, if it was left up to us, we have have that word forsaken in front of our name all our life. 
But blessed are they who hunger and thirst after righteousness, that I've created a hunger and a thirst after righteousness. Now, when do we find out that there is a righteousness in Christ? And when do we begin to hunger and thirst after that? That's only after the new birth. It's the only time we can. Before that, we have no interest in that. So he's saying, everyone I give the new birth to are going to hunger and thirst after righteousness, and they shall be filled. And this filling is on a daily basis. He continues, even in the night seasons, even in the daytime, he is still the food for our soul. Now, the book of Isaiah, back up one book if you would, the book of Isaiah has a number of passages that we wish to look at that have to do with this living water. This rivers of living water. Did you know the last book, the last chapter of the book of Revelation brings this same subject up? It's just so traveling through the scriptures as he reveals to us. Now he does that with light. He does that with every characteristic and attribute. He begins with it and he closes out the Bible with the same thing. He never changes. He never changes his message. He never changes his attributes. He never changes his character. He never changes. He is always the same. And that's something you can take to the bank. He's always going to be the same in every generation. And he caused our brother Abel to hunger and thirst after righteousness. And you know what? He did the same for Adam and Eve. And he did that for everybody that is ever saved. Wherever they are, he's caused them to hunger and thirst after righteousness, the living water. So here in the book of Isaiah chapter 12, if you'd turn there with me, Isaiah chapter 12, beginning with verse 1. This is a short chapter, and we're just going to read all six verses of this chapter. It says, And in that day thou shalt say, O Lord, I will praise thee. Here again we have that comment about in that day. Now is this a different day than in the book of Zechariah? I don't think so. I think it's that gospel day. I think it's that day when the gospel is shown us, declared to us, revealed to us. That's a good day in that day. That though thou wast angry with me, thine anger is turned away, and thou comfortest me. Did you know we find out when God saves us, that he had never exercised wrath towards us. There's nothing about wrath towards his children. There's wrath against those who are not his children, but he has always had them. What does it mean then in Jeremiah? says, I have loved you with an everlasting love. And I have had people tell me, well, he has wrath for them. No, never. He's going to take their wrath from eternity. So this is his place for us. It says he was angry with us. Do you think he was a little upset with Adam? I believe he was, knowing full well what Adam was going to do anyway. He's been upset with people. He was upset with Moses. He's upset with David. He's been upset with me. But it hasn't removed my position. And that's a glorious thing. All right. goes on. Behold, God is my salvation. I will trust and not be afraid for the Lord Jehovah. You know what that is? That's Jehovah Jehovah. 
That's capital L, capital O, capital R, capital D, and then we have Jehovah right there. Jehovah, Jehovah is my strength and my song. He has also become my salvation. Therefore, with joy shall ye draw water out of the wells of salvation. With joy we shall draw living water out of the wells of salvation. And in that day shall ye say, praise the Lord. Call upon his name. Declare his doings among the people. Make mention that his name is exalted. When we say salvation is of the Lord, we're essentially just saying his name is exalted. He's the one that does the work. Sing unto the Lord, for he hath done excellent things. This is known in all the earth. Cry out and shout, thou inhabitant of Zion, thou inhabitant of the church, for great is the Holy One of Israel in the midst of thee. It tells us there in verse 3, and we're going to see this water going through the book of of, uh, uh, Isaiah. This water. There's a passage we may not get to, so I'm going to mention it right now, over in the book of Exodus. It's the third day after the, all those hosts of Egypt are drowned in the Red Sea. They come to Marah, and the water is bitter, and they complain. And the Lord told Moses, cut that tree and throw it into that water, and it was sweet. I think that's a beautiful picture of the benefits of the cross on behalf of the children of God. The cross becomes glorious. The cross becomes tasteful. The cross takes away the bitterness. Anyway, all right. Let's go here into the book of Isaiah chapter 41. Isaiah chapter 41. As we look at the subject of this living water that's flowing out. This living water that's flowing out. And nothing can stop it. It is going to go. Now, we read in the book of Exodus twice, I believe it is, that under strong persecution, people left Jerusalem, and when they got to where they were going, they preached Christ. The flow kept going. Even though it was pushed out there, the flow kept going. Under Saul of Tarsus, many people left, and they took the word of God. In 1 Peter chapter 1, there it says, Unto the the strangers scattered abroad in Cappadocia and Bithynia. They were scattered because of persecution, but he is encouraging them, elect according to the foreknowledge of God. Here in the book of Jeremiah chapter 41, and there in verse 17, we have these words left for our benefit, for our good, for us to think greatly about. And here it is, it says in Isaiah chapter 41, verse 17, When the poor and needy seek water, and there is none, and their tongue faileth for thirst, I, the Lord, will hear them. I, the God of Israel, will not forsake them. I will open rivers in high places and fountains in the midst of the valleys. I will make the wilderness a pool of water and the dry land springs of water. Who does this? God Almighty. He will open up the, the living water to his people. And then I will plant in the wilderness the cedar and the shithel tree and the myrtle and oil tree, and I'll set them in the desert, the fir tree and the pine tree and the box tree together. Who are those? That's the saints. We've been planted, planted by the living water, planted by the, 
the water of life. So I will, verse 18, I'll open the rivers in high places and fountains in the midst of the valleys. You know, it is just surprising where we find where the gospel has been and where the gospel is and where it shall be. It is a miracle of God's free and sovereign grace that the gospel is anywhere. But to find it, and I say, here is living water. Here it is. Well, in the same book, chapter 44, the book of Isaiah chapter 44, if you'll turn there with me, in Isaiah chapter 44, verses 1 through 3, we have again this wonderful uh, uh, statement that runs through the scriptures about water, living water, the water of life. I'll give the water of life freely. Yet now hear, O Jacob, my servant, in Israel, whom I have chosen. Now, Isaiah 44 and verse 1 shares us a great deal about ourselves. It's God that chose us. We did not choose him. He told his disciples, I chose you, you didn't choose me. He tells his disciples today that if there's any choice made, it was he that made the choice. And then we say, after he's made the choice, after we hear the call, after we've been brought to him, I'm so thankful and I choose him. God gives us that grace. All right. Thus saith the Lord that made thee and formed thee from the womb and which uh, will help thee. Fear not, O Jacob, my servant, and thou Jeshurun, whom I have chosen. For I will pour water upon him that is thirsty and floods upon the dry ground. And I'll pour my spirit upon thy seed and my blessings upon thine offspring. I will pour water upon the thirsty and floods upon the dry ground. Wherever we go. Once the Lord saves us, wherever we go, there is going to be water. It's his word. It's his word that's given to us. And I've said many times, if all we had was the book of Obadiah, one chapter long, or the book of Jude, one chapter, we could be refreshed as if it was a whole boatload of water. We would be refreshed, be thankful. Now, I don't know whether it's true, it made a good story, but... Uh, I understand at one time there was many, hundreds of thousands of Bibles sent to China, and they took them and turned them into toilet paper. And the people that got those, the words had not been taken off the pages. And so they had rolls of Scripture. Now, it makes a good story if that really happened. How blessed those people were to have the gospel. Those who want the gospel and have the gospel in their hands. Again, again, okay, Isaiah 48. In Isaiah 48, would you turn there with me? Isaiah 48, verse 21. And they, Isaiah 48, verse 21, and they thirsted not when he led them through the deserts. He caused the waters to flow out of the rock for them. He claved the rock also, and the waters gushed out. You know, I've been down to St. Vinny's and found a br- almost brand new living water <laughs> Bible for $1.89. Large print. And I, even in the deserts, he gives us his word. And then, 
when we start to read it and he reveals it to us, we truly are thankful that he has given us some understanding. Salvation is of the Lord. All right, another passage that we want to look at is just the next chapter in Isaiah 49. In Isaiah 49, and there in verse 10, Isaiah 49 and verse 10, They shall not hunger nor thirst, neither shall the heat nor sun smite them. For he that hath mercy on them shall lead them, even by springs of water shall he guide them. Where is it that I can go? Where can I hear something? Where can I hear the gospel? Where Guiding us. Guiding us. Taking us. Now, there's been a lot of places we thought. <laughs> I told the story about after the Lord saved me and I was looking for a, a place to go after I got fired. There was that church named... Grace Memorial Baptist Church. And I said, i got to call them up because they have a wonderful name. So I called them up and asked for the pastor, and I only got the secretary. And I said, maybe you can answer my question. You have the word grace in your name. Can you explain to me what you mean by that? Uh, yes, I can. I says, what do you mean by that? And she said, well, we had a lady in our church by the name of Grace, and she left a lot of money to the church, so we called it Grace Memorial Baptist Church. And I says, thank you very much. Thank you. She was honest about it. There was nothing there. Well, there's nothing in a name anymore. There can only be what is being taught and preached. We have to hear it. All right. And then in uh, Isaiah 55, this is, this is that one we so often think of when we think about water. Isaiah 55 and verse 1. Ho, everyone that thirsteth, come ye to the waters. And he that hath no money, come ye buy and eat. Yea, come buy wine and milk without money and without price. There's no trading for this. It's a gift. We're not going to trade our righteousness for this. Wherefore do you spend money for that which is not bread, and your labor for that which satisfieth not? Verse 2, hearken diligently unto me, and eat ye that which is good, and let your soul delight itself in fatness. What a glorious statement that the prophet Isaiah was used to write here about the glories of the church. Now in Ezekiel, Ezekiel is a lot like Zechariah in many ways. Because there's, if we look at it from a very physical standpoint, we're going to end up in a ditch. If we look at it spiritually, we can be, walk away and say, Hallelujah. What a statement about the church. What a statement about how God's word works. Well, here in the book of Ezekiel chapter 47, Ezekiel chapter 47 there is a passage of scripture that shares with us about a river of water. Ezekiel chapter 47. This river of water. Ezekiel 47 verse 1. Now he's been looking at the temple. He's been measuring the temple. Well, we know some things about that from a spiritual standpoint. Ye are the temple of God. All right. 
Afterward, he brought me again unto the door of the house, and behold, what in the world would be coming out from under the door of the house? Waters issued out from under the threshold of the house eastward, and for the forefront of the house stood toward the east, and the waters came out from under the right side of the house at the south side of the altar, being very explicit. I may not understand all I hear about that or read about that, but I know this. There's waters coming over the threshold. And then brought he me out of the way of the gate northward and led me about the way without unto the utter gate by the way that looketh eastward. And behold, there ran out waters on the right side. And when the man that had the line in his hand went forward eastward, he measured a thousand cubits and brought me through the waters, and the waters was to my ankles. And when the man had that line in his hand and went forward eastward, he measured, excuse me, verse 4, again he measured a thousand and brought me through the waters, and the waters were to the knees. Again he measured a thousand, he brought me through the waters, and the water were to my loins. Afterward he measured a thousand, and it was a river that I could not pass over. For the waters were risen, waters to swim in, a river that could not be passed over. Now if we just think about this living water, this flowing river of water, from the standpoint of how we've looked at it in the past here tonight, and in the past in messages, we find out there is no end to the wealth that we find in this water. There's no end of the wealth of our Savior, which is called the living water, and there's no end to the wealth of the gospel. We never come to the end of it. We never have it all ferreted out. We have never come to the complete understanding about it. I showed Brother Mike tonight, I think it's a verse that's got six words in it. It's in the book of Numbers. Now, Sunday, the Lord willing, we're going to be looking at the 16th chapter of the book of Numbers. And I've made a mistake there in the past, because in the 26th chapter of the book of Numbers, it tells me in one short verse, the children of Korah did not die. And I said, well, that's interesting. Now I can correct myself. Everybody else in the family died. (laughs) We never come to the end of God's grace, God's glory, God's person, the gospel. We never have it all. It's always worth going through one more time. You know, when we're first saved, that water may just be to our ankles. Thank God for that. We have this much understanding. And then as time goes on and he reveals, oh, it's up to my knees. I'm getting somewhere. And then up to my loins. But after that, it's a river you cannot swim. How glorious is the living water. From aspect of being the gospel or aspect of being the gospel. (laughs) Capital G. All right. Turn with me, if you would, to the book of uh, John. John chapter 4. We're going to jump to the New Testament. John chapter 4. And verse 10 and 11. John chapter 4 and verse 10 and 11. We have Jesus at the well. 
Now, I thought about reading over there in the book of Genesis. This is Jacob's well. And over in the book of Genesis, it talks about it. And you know those guys that were digging that well? They, came, they ran to Jacob and says, we have found water. And that's Jacob's well, right here. This lady's at Jacob's well. And Jesus said to her, verse 10, If thou knewest the gift of God, and who it is that saith to thee, Give me to drink, thou wouldest have asked of him, and he would have given thee living water. And the woman saith unto him, Sir, thou hast nothing to draw with, and the well is deep from whence then hast thou that living water. Is there any question that she could have asked that had been more natural? He's talking about spiritual. She can only see physical. Now, it's not going to be long. The Lord's going to give her sight. And she's going to go into town and says, I want to tell you about a man who told me everything about me. Every sin about me. All right. Jesus, in verse uh, 13, whosoever, Jesus answered and said unto her, Whosoever drinketh of this water shall thirst again. But whosoever drinketh of the water that I shall give him shall never thirst, but the water that I shall give him shall be in him as a well springing up into everlasting life. What a glorious statement about this living water, springing up into everlasting life. And follow me just a little bit further in the book of John, John chapter 7. John chapter 7. And verses 37 and 38. John chapter 7, verse 37 and 38. It says here, In the last day, in the last day, that great feast, Jesus stood and cried, saying, Now he's down at the temple. He's in Jerusalem. And he stands up, he stood up and cried, just like Isaiah was told to do. (laughs) Cry from the housetop. How long? (laughs) Until all the cities are gone. All right, the last day, that great day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried, saying, If any man thirst, let him come unto me and drink. He that believeth on me, as the scripture hath said, out of his belly shall flow rivers of living water. Now, there's some people there that don't understand it, and they didn't appreciate it very much. But he makes this wonderful statement that is still open today. If any man thirst. Now that's why we started with Matthew chapter 5. Blessed is he that hungers and thirsts after righteousness. Now let's just jump ahead to a couple of verses in the book of Revelation. And with this we'll close. Revelation chapter 7. The Bible is filled with this subject of water. Living water. Christ, from beginning to end, in the book of Revelation chapter 7 and verse 17, chapter 7, verse 17, what a glorious statement is made here in the last book of the Bible, and it's sometimes a hard to understand book, we still have this thread going through here that means so much, for the Lamb, which is in the midst of the throne, shall feed them and shall lead them unto living fountains of waters. And God shall wipe away all tears from their eyes. He shall lead them to living fountains of water. I mean, 
There's just no end to this. This is an artesian well. <laughs> it comes. And in the same book of Revelation, chapter 21. Revelation chapter 21. We read these words in verse 6. Revelation chapter 21 and verse 6. Revelation chapter 21 and verse 6. And he said unto me, it is done. I am Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end. I will give him that is a thirst of the fountain of water of life freely. Wow. I will give... I will give it freely. It will be to the ankle, and then the knee, and then the loin, and then the river will be so immense, no end. And it's always good. Sweet, clean, pure water. It's the thing about this living water is there's no impurities in it. It is pure. The gospel is pure. All right, one more time before we read that passage in the book of Zechariah, one more time, and that's in chapter 22 of the book of Revelation, verses 1, 2, and 3. And he showed me a pure river of water of life. You know, I'm so thankful that 35 or 6 years ago, that man came and he said, preach the pure river of water of life. And I was so upset with him because I wanted him to preach about church truth or church history or something else. Anyway, it says he showed me a pure river of water of life, clear as crystal, no impurities, proceeding out of the throne of God and of the Lamb. And in the midst of the street, on either side of the river, there were the, were the tree of life, which bare twelve manner of fruits, and yielded her fruit every month. And the leaves of the tree was for the healing of the nations, and there was no more curse, but the throne of God and of the Lamb shall be in it, and his servants shall serve him. Now drop down, if you would, to verse 17. This is that invitation. And the Spirit and the Bride say, Come, and let us that let him that heareth say, Come, and let him that is a thirst come, and whosoever will, let him take of the water of life freely. Freely. No charge except the blood of Christ. Now let's just just very quickly go back to the book of Zechariah, chapter 14, and we want to read that verse 8 again. Chapter 14, verse 8. Now, no, there's no doubt much more in this verse of Scripture. But I just saw that water, that living water, flowing living water, summer and winter, living water, living water. It's the declaration that's been go going on since the very beginning. And in, it shall be in that day that living water shall go out from Jerusalem. That's what the church preaches. That's what Christ preaches. Half of them towards the former sea... <clears throat> They're going to go out to all areas, wherever there's lost sheep, and half of them toward the hinder sea, in summer and in winter shall it be. And the church says, hallelujah. hallelujah. It shall be. 
And the Lord shall be king over all the earth. In that day shall there be one Lord, and his name one. And Lord willing, we'll look at verse 9 next time.